Hi, I'm Mackenzie. I have autism. But this podcast isn't really about that exactly. And I'm Andrea. I'm friends with Mackenzie. What our podcast is about is conversations and connections. It's about how we are the same and how we are different. For each episode, Mackenzie and I interview a different guest. Some of our guests experience intellectual and developmental disabilities, also known as IDD, and some don't. We talk about friendship, family, adulthood, and when it comes up, disability. Our podcast is called Everybody In because we are so interested in everybody. So let's get started. All right. Hey, everyone. I am Andrea Moore, one of your hosts for Everybody In, a podcast conceived and produced by the Wayfaring Band. And she's here on my side, across from my eye. She's a little bit whack. It's Mac. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, everybody? My name is Mackenzie Bovey-Nickel. I am the co-host with the podcast with Andrea Moore. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. We have a great show planned for today. Who is our guest, Mackenzie? Oh, my gosh. It's Michael Waters. Michael Waters, the one, the only, the fabulous, the friendly, the overall lovely Michael Waters. Yes. Um, Before we talk to Michael, uh, I'm super excited. We both know Michael. I've traveled with Michael. Have you traveled with him yet? No. 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 So you're going to get to know him. Okay. Uh, Michael's super cool. I'm really excited to get to know him better, but tell us Mackenzie, what is the format for our show today? Um, so our format today is Andrea is going to ask Michael questions and I am going to piggyback off those questions if needed. Yeah. And then together we're going to attack him from two sides at once. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) No, we're just going to get to know him. We're going to dig in, um, and try and share this beautiful human being with, with our listeners because he is a beautiful human being. Um, that sounds perfect. So should we get started? Yes, let's go. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. We are thrilled that you could be here, my friend. This is the best. Thank you. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while, haven't we? We have, actually. Yeah, and now the day has finally come. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't either. Um, so tell our listeners just to get us started a little bit about yourself, maybe your age, where you're from. What kind of stuff you do and enter into? Well, I'm actually from Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Born and raised here. Okay. Um, t- my my family is actually from Denver, Colorado. So okay. Um, I got a heritage here and got a heritage in Kansas City. Okay. Kansas, Missouri, where my dad is from. All right. Nice. So and half of my roots is also from New Orleans. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't know that until my dad told me that he has family out there. And then one of them traveled to to Denver to get, ma- to get married and had kids. And he started a program called the Con Award. Called what? The Con Award. The Con Award? No, uh, Con Award. Can you spell Con it? Award? No, Cotton Wood. The cotton, oh, cotton wood. Yeah. Wait a minute. You're saying that one of your relatives started the program called Cottonwood, the one that you're a part of? Well, I'm not a part of it yet. Oh, okay. But he's actually my dad's nephew. Really? And his name is Ford Church. Ford Church. And he's a, a wonderful guy, and he, he's married and has kids, and I really admire him. Okay, one of my friends that um, Peter Naffa used to be a part of it of that program. Uh huh. And your friend Peter Naffa used to be a part of the Cottonwood program. Yes, and Peter was a great guy. Um, we always talked a lot, mm-hmm. uh, even through a bio club, or we text each other sometimes. We call each other. Uh huh. Texting and calling. Um, but I know recently what happened. I know what happened to him. Yeah. Um, I I actually cried for him for the first time mm. last year. So mm-hmm. um, it took a lot of toll on me because I never knew that could happen to us. So let me let me let me just clarify a few things, if that's okay. 
Yeah. So what I heard you say is that you cried for that you and Peter used to call and text and then you cried for him and um, that that had never happened before that you didn't know that you could lose someone and that that could happen. Do, when you said us, do you mean people with Down syndrome? Well, yeah, with people with Down syndrome, no one knew get meningitis. Didn't know that you could get meningitis. And yeah, I got scared. And when it happened to Peter, I was really in shock. Uh huh. And then I had dinner with my parents. Then I we talked about some stuff. And then um, afterwards, I just burst out in tears and I never knew I could do that mm-hmm. but it turns out it was because of Peter mm-hmm. well that is quite an introduction and I want to talk more about some of those things um, but yeah so it sounds like it was a surprise for you to learn that you could care so much about someone and that you could lose them so unexpectedly and that is our friend Peter who we did lose unexpectedly almost two years ago now um, but let's we can talk more about that too. Thanks for, thanks for bringing him up. We always like to remember our friends and, and it's true that meningitis is something that can affect um, any of us. Yeah. And that's scary, but at the same time, that's, we, you know, hopefully we have people around us and we do the best we can and try and get the help we need. And, um, and, and when life is bigger than us, we have to just lean on each other for support. Agree. Yeah. All right. Well, Michael, let's, Tell me a few other things. I'm going to ask you a few specific questions and then we'll get into the, you know, the main meat and potatoes of our, of our interview with you. Um, can you tell us how old you are? Well, I'm 38. I mean, 39 in two months. Okay. So on December 1st. Okay. So can't wait. You hit big three nine. <laughs> As somebody who recently hit the big four zero, uh, welcome to the latter half of your thirties and, you know, it just keeps getting better. So just, you know, get excited. All right. Well, okay. So you're going to be 39, you said? Yes. In, you're going to be 39 soon. Okay. So that's very exciting. Um, you have a job. We'll talk about a little bit more later. But you're living life, working, traveling, making friends. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can love that. You love that? Mm-hmm. Making friends? I do. Cool. All right, well, we're going to hear more about all this stuff. Okay, so I think we should get started to our very first question. Now, this very first question, I'm actually going to have Mackenzie ask it because this is her main question that she asks all of our guests um, and that we're kind of excited about. Mackenzie, do you want to ask Michael your first question? Yes, Michael. So I'm going to ask you, what's lit? Do you know what that means? No. No? All right. So what's going on in life? How are you doing? What is the big thing in life right now that you're excited for? I think right now it's just um, be with people that you care about and cause you never know that the next day you can lose them. Mm. So I'm just trying to, to see my family a little bit more or also my friends mm-hmm. So I love to talk to. So mm. just basically enjoy your life. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's good. That is lit. I mean, I love so like staying in the moment. It sounds like be, yeah. like sort of being in gratitude for the present moment, for the things that you have. Yes. Very cool. Also, I know Michael, you are a massive film buff. Is this true? Yes, it's actually very true. <laughs> it's very true. Mm. So I'm curious in terms of what's lit. We might even be able to get a little bit into some recent films that you've seen. Can you think of any films that you're excited about? Actually, um, I recently saw The New Lion King, like, a few months ago. Okay. And then I saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. And then um, recently at work, a customer actually is helping me to make a movie on my own. A customer is helping you to make a movie on your own? A customer where you work? Yes, and she is so excited about it, so we keep talking and she knows a few people that wants to help, so we're actually looking into that. Well, that's very lit, actually. Do you know what the plot of your movie is going to be about? I mean, don't give away all your ideas or anything. Well, but I know the title is going to be called The Basics of Down Syndrome. The Basics of Down Syndrome? Okay. Yeah, that's going to be the title, and I hope it, it could show people what we go through every day, just like, like everybody else. Okay. 
Yeah. And so the woman is going to help kind of support you in the process of getting that made. Yes, she is. And she's an amazing woman. Um, when I told about it, she knows a few people. So, and she and I connected and we've, we've been talking. So, and so that's what it's going to be. That's awesome. That's a lot to look forward to and be excited about. That's very cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's good. Cool. Um, all right. Let me ask you question number two. Uh, you know, we've asked you this one before, but I want to see if your answer is the same or if it's changed. Michael, if you could be an animal other than a human, what animal would you be and why? Well, I have to pick a lion mm. because I want to be a king. Hey. Just like in the movie The Lion King. Uh-huh. So I could rule Africa just like The Lion King. Mufasa. <laughs> Is that well, you? Well, I want to be Simba. You want to be Simba. Let's get real. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you want to go on the hero's journey first. So you want to like first fail to be king, be really irresponsible, and have to learn a lot of life lessons, and then eventually become an amazing king. Yes. The hero's I, journey, yes. That's how I like to be. Okay. Cool. All right. So a lion to be king. Amazing. That's very cool. Um, all right. Great. And then I'd love to shift a little bit. You know, you kind of brought it up when you were talking about your film, but I'd like to talk a little bit about disability. On this podcast, we we try and touch on things that make us the same and things that make us different. Um, and what I love, what I was struck about what you just said about Down syndrome is that you said for people with Down syndrome going through life every day, um, how it's a lot the same. Is that what you said? Yeah, which is the same as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, we fall in love. We enjoy people's um, company, and we just like to talk to people. To and but we just need a bit of help mm-hmm. now and then. But overall, we have one thing in, in common, which is that we're all people, and it doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're pretty passionate about that. I am, actually. Just recently, I watched a show called Good Trouble. Good Trouble? And it inspired me to be open and trying to be, you know, caring for others. Okay. Um, And in the show, is there somebody with Down syndrome in the show, or how did it inspire you? No, there's no, there's no people with Down syndrome in the show, but... um. That show just inspired me just to be, to help fight the good fight. Okay. You, you know, for people with Down syndrome. Um, and I know there's a lot of good people out there are ambassadors for the Global Down Syndrome Foundation. Uh-huh, ambassadors for the Global Down Syndrome and Foundation. I hope I could be one of them someday because I want to show them what I am capable of. Excellent. So tell us, Michael, when we're talking about Down syndrome, you know, you're about to be 39. I mean, so you've you've had a lot of experiences. You're an adult. Um, sometimes we interview people who are a little bit younger. Um, I don't know. I guess we've probably interviewed a few people who are a little bit older as well. But in your lifetime, has the way you feel about Down syndrome changed? It changed me a little bit because um, when my parents started becoming becoming parents with someone without syndrome like myself. Mm-hmm. I know parents could be scared at first, you know, because they just want their son or daughter to be um, healthy. Mm-hmm. And I know what it's like, so I'm going down the path of being healthy. So, and I just wanted to show my parents that they could be proud of me as much as my brothers. Just as proud of you as they are of your brothers? Yeah. And what does healthy mean to you? Like, make the right choices. Um, you know, try to eat better. You know, mm-hmm. try to work out, go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Which I do because I have a trainer. Um, nice. And they, I've been going to this since 2005. And they're trying to help me reach my goals to try to lose some weight. And I'm pretty happy about that. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that that, I mean... I'm looking at Mackenzie here because I'm like, this is your area. Um, be like Mackenzie's often offered to help train me, <laughs> which I need it because I think being healthy is something that we're all interested in. 
But, you know, when you brought that up originally, Michael, you put your finger on something bigger, which is that when a baby with Down syndrome is born, and not just Down syndrome, but other differences, I think in our culture, I've heard a lot from parents this idea of like, oh, I just want a healthy baby. I just want a healthy baby. And it's this question to me of, is Down syndrome healthy by itself? Like, is it, you know, that, that, that sometimes parents have to go on a journey to learn and accept that Down syndrome is as beautiful as, as I think you and I think it is. That sometimes parents have to learn that because they just don't have enough information yet. They have, a, they have to go through a process. They do. And I know how that's like. Because, um, when, I, when I was born, uh, my parents were scared at first because new parents were similar with Down syndrome, but they didn't care. Um, they loved me anyway. They brought me home. I have great friends and great uh, family because of them. I really um, trust about that, mm-hmm. and, and I hope they're listening because I, I love them a lot more than ever. I bet they are listening. I bet they are. Um, and that's great, and I think it's okay that we don't always have all the answers, right? Like, I think that's what life is. Life is about things happening that we don't always know how to handle, but we just, we can ask questions, we can get information. Um, one thing, that I'm passionate about that particular issue, Michael, because I know that a lot of times in the world, if you get your information from people who only know one part of it, you might not get the whole story. So for me, I'm passionate about making sure that parents know that um, that people with Down syndrome can, like you said, are just like everybody else, have feelings, build relationships, can work jobs, can fall in love, can, you know, are active and fully participating members of society. Um, and can bring just as much joy, you know, as, and struggle as any other human being. Well, I agree. And also, when my parents did find out I had Down syndrome, they also started a program called Mile High Down Syndrome Association. They were part of that group. Okay. But they actually are the original board members. Mm-hmm. But now the name changed to Rocky Mountain. So uh-huh. Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Association. Yeah. Right. right. My parents recently started that because of myself and a few others that was born back then and it wasn't for them. We wouldn't even have that wonderful group and the people that we have today. I think that a lot of people don't realize the history of the disability community is happening right now. Like what you're talking about, Michael, is that your parents were among the original families to build these institutions that are now making a huge difference in people's lives. Like Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Association is a statewide association, right? Maybe more, but... Well, I heard this one in, in, in California, in L.A. So they're spreading out, maybe. So I'm hoping to go out there and share my experiences with them and tell them about it, so... Well, and that's what's really cool. So, like, you're, again, about to be 39... And I don't know if every of our listeners all know this, but, you know, basically people in our age group, yours and my age group, that your parents were the ones who were basically very much on the forefront of building, building a lot of the programs, especially in the Down syndrome community. Um, and that's amazing because now we're part of the next generation of programs that are working on kind of helping to make those programs more inclusive or more justice based or things like that. But that these things haven't existed forever, right? People 20 years older than you, Michael, might have been living at home or in an institution and might not have had programs like that at all. Well, yeah, I agree, especially that I just saw the movie um, Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, yeah. And that movie kind of reminded me of that, too, so to be honest. Tell, tell me about what you thought about that movie. And for folks who haven't seen the movie, can you tell us a little bit about what it's about? Well, it won't ruin it. Don't worry. <laughs> the movie's about a boy named Shaq who wanted to be a pro wrestler, and he is he tries to escape the place that he lives in, like an institution. Yeah, he lives in a nursing home that's yeah. designed for older people, and he's a young guy. And he escapes, and then he went into um, Shia LaBeouf's character that he played in the movie. Um, 
shows they formed a friendship during the movie and um, after he Shia LaBeouf's character tried to help him make his dreams come true. Okay, so Shia LaBeouf's character and Zach's character meet and Shia LaBeouf's character tries to help Zach's dream come true yes. of being a pro wrestler. And then um, it, and then he was so happy about it. He loved it. Um, but that movie kind of also actually it tells a story about you should just go and make his dreams come true. So it should matter. What else I liked about that movie was that, um, Mac, did you see it, by the way? Yeah. Okay, I want to hear what you think about it, too. One of the things that I loved about that movie was that it wasn't a story just about the neurotypical character, so Shia LaBeouf's character, helping this guy with Down syndrome. It was a mutual relationship because Zach basically saves the other guy's life, like in terms of giving it value and meaning because Zach's a good person and Shia LaBeouf's character is kind of an asshole, you know? And he's like, well, I didn't think so. I, well, I, I don't mean like, like his heart is nice, but you know how he like steals and he like lights a bunch of stuff on fire. And he remember when he blows up the dock? Well, to be honest, it's part of the movie. <laughs> so. I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. I mean it in a good way that like, that he wants to be a better person, but remember he's sad. And sorry, everybody, like, I guess this is a tiny spoiler alert mm-hmm. at this point, but we're not giving away the whole plot. But, like, he's a, he's sad because he lost his brother yeah, and he has I a hard time. Like too, Remem- so. Right. And he has yeah. a hard time caring. And what I liked about it is I feel like Zach gives him his humanity back. Exactly. That's what yeah. I think of it, too. Yeah. Um, Mackenzie, what did you think about the film? Um, I really loved it. Um, I mean, it does tell a story about inclusion, you know? So, like, you know, like, when he first, like, runs away from the home, Mm -hmm. and he finds the guy, and the guy was, like, a little bit, like, not sure that he wanted to hang out with him, because, you know, people with disabilities are kind of scary, and... Maybe like people always think that they're contagious or something. Mm. That's what I felt. But after you felt that way, that like sometimes people feel that way about you. Oh no 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 no! no. But you you see yeah, it in the world. Yeah, that, like I do see it. And um, this movie just like kind of like knocked that down, saying no, everybody, everybody is the same, but just different. You know, we have our same same. We're just skin tone different, I guess. I don't know how to. Um, surface level, yeah, mm-hmm. um, like that type of stuff. Um, I mean, it was I really loved the movie. It was good, and even today, people are still like that down south. Anyways, though, like if you think about it, they're still pretty. Although that kind of took place a little bit up north, and then they went down south a little oh, bit. Oh, but I, I, I don't know where middle. it was. Well, I think, but you're right that there's just regional differences. Yeah, but we noticed that. I mean, we're in Denver, and we can notice those behaviors yeah. here. It's not just the South. No. No, yeah. it's still everywhere. Like, still, like, that's why we're starting to do inclusion so much, I feel like, around the world, because yeah. we do matter mm. and all of that stuff. So that movie was really good. It was it was, it was, was a good teaching, mm-hmm. teaching for both sides, I think. Mm-hmm. I also appreciated the messiness of it. Like, they're not perfect. None of them are perfect. And even when the woman comes, Michael, you know, like when she, so the woman who works at the nursing home where Zach escapes from, she like goes on this quest to find him. Um, And so she's looking for him and eventually she does find him. And then she's kind of controlling. And Mm -hmm. I actually felt a little called out, like watching her. Because on the one hand, she's like, I love him. I care about him. You don't care about him. But then she's also trying to boss him around. Mm-hmm. And then Shia LaBeouf's character is like, he's a grown man. Like, why are you trying to boss him around? I think it was just an interesting question about how do we exist in community when we do need help with certain things, but we don't want to be bossed around. Okay. So, like, for you, Michael, like, what are some examples of what you need help with and what you don't need help with? Well, the stuff I do need help with is communicating, you know, more like at work. Communicating um, at, at your job, okay, a, a little bit more. So, and then um, I do 
do need help with certain areas, but um, like healthy, like staying healthy. healthy. Yeah, but I'm, same. I'm also working on that. Um, but is that? Do you need help with that because you have Down syndrome or because you're a human being? I think kind of both. Okay. Because with Down syndrome, I think people. I think with Down syndrome, because people like us is not always healthy like other people are because they go to the gym more than we do because we don't know how much weight we should lift and we don't know how much. Okay. Because some of us are not good in math. Okay. So we don't know exactly how much we should lift. Okay, so getting some help in terms of making a plan yeah. around working out or things like that. That's interesting. Okay. What other kind of stuff do you... Like at home, because you live in your own apartment, and we'll talk about that a little after the break too. But right, you live on your own. I do. I lived on my own since two thousand four. Oh wow! Okay, I went to college in New Mexico. Okay, so you were in a dorm. Um, I I went to Eastern New Mexico University in Roswell. Mm-hmm. Um, With all the aliens. Well, in India, <laughs> but um, but. Um, we formed friendships down there, and one of my friends, Danny, who has Down syndrome, like myself, his parents also helped out with that program I told you about. Uh-huh. Um, he and I were roommates for a while, and then we had our own dorms after that. Like, like, you know, your own dorm, like, you know, suite. Um, a single dorm. We had that our last year, and then... When we moved back to Denver, we had our first apartment together. We were roommates, but it didn't work out so well. So, but I moved out and moved into a single apartment in the same complex, but I live on the south side of the building. Um, but I have help. I have a job coach. I have people that care and I just love it. Oh, that's great. So you've helped from a job coach. You've got, do you have somebody kind of helps with like grocery shopping or do no, you do, do all that? I do groceries on my own. I guess since you do work at a grocery store, you probably don't need a lot of support with that. To be honest, that's a good point. Sometimes <laughs> I do, I tend to shop too much like I shouldn't, but you never know when there's a storm coming. So when there's a storm coming? Yeah, when it's Denver. Okay, so you need to stay. Stay focused, or I have to stay focused when I'm shopping. And when a storm hits, like a thunderstorm or a snowstorm, I like, I like to be prepared when I'm buying. Meaning that you like to have a little bit of extra food in the house, so that in case you get snowed in or something, you feel prepared. Yes, yeah, so I don't have to go out. And that's smart. In the storm, that's a good idea, especially with unpredictable weather. This question of help is really interesting, and it's one I want to explore further. First, I think. Let's take a small break, and when we come back, we can dig in more. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Good idea. Okay. Stay tuned. Thanks. The Wayfaring Band is an adventure where everybody belongs. But we're not a rock and roll band, are we, Mackenzie? No. So what type of band are we? We are a band of travelers. A band of travelers, right. So the Wayfaring Band creates original, transformative adventures for adults with and without intellectual and developmental disabilities. But who can travel with the band? Everybody. Oh, that's right. Everybody can. Well, as long as they're a grown-up, right? I mean, our programs are for adults. Sorry, kids. Yeah, sorry, kids. But if you're an adult, everybody, you too can travel with the Wayfaring Band. Adults with developmental disabilities, caregivers, students, teachers, professionals, activists, interested community members, all of you are welcome to join us on tour and experience our culture of inclusion firsthand. Be a part of it. How can they learn more, Mackenzie? Learn more at www.thewayfaringband.com. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back from the break. Welcome back. We've been here chatting it up, making plans, talking smack with Mac <laughs> <laughs> um, and Michael. And I uh, hope that you're all doing well. Hope people are refreshed and fancy, furry and 
really focusing and not texting if you're driving. Um, um, I mean, I hope you're not texting and driving. Listen, could we just ask you to please not text and drive? Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, stay focused for the Focus. sake of all of our friends. Okay. Um, Michael, we have learned a little bit about you. There's so much more to discuss. I want to move into the kind of big umbrella category of relationships. There are so many different types of relationships and you're someone that I think of as being really social. Do you feel like that's true? That you yeah, like, you like I, people? I, I love people a lot. So, but I had to say that I do have a few problems before. So, but I'm thinking a bit at it. Okay. So that's a, that's a good place for us to start. So you're saying that you've had a few problems before but that things have gotten better. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. And then, then we can, so we can talk about some, some parts that were challenges and then we can talk about some success stories. So when it comes to making friends and connecting, I mean, this is something that all people, it's hard for all of us. Um, I'm curious, what were some of the things, Michael, as you've been trying to make your relationships as an adult, cause you're not in school anymore, right? You're like, you're an adult, you're in the world. So as you've been trying to figure out how you want to be in relationship with people, what have been some of those challenges? I think like trying to find them, you know. Um, to find the people? Yeah, I do. Yeah, in the first place. And then um, I try, I did try social media for Facebook at first. Okay. But um, when I first started doing Facebook, I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. Okay. Because I never took a safety course. Okay. How to be safe online. So that's interesting. There's some deep stuff there because, and I, I'm just trying to put this together based on what you've told me, but it sounds like being safe online is not the same as being safe in a parking lot or walking down the street, right? Like no. physical safety and emotional safety. There are some themes that are, in, that we have in common. Like you got, if you got to keep your body safe when you're out in the world, and you have to keep your heart and your mind safe when you're online, exactly. right? Okay. And so you had never taken a class around that. And it's funny because, like, most of us probably haven't taken a class like that, but maybe we need to. Yeah, I wanted to start a course or a class to show people that we be safe for social media. And I think it would be a great idea to open that. What kind of stuff would you want to teach in your class? What do you think is important? Well, I think what is really important is your safety. Because um, you don't want to expose yourself to strangers online. Okay. So, like, we're to talk about, you know, where to meet, you know, stuff like that. Okay, so if you're really connecting with someone online, they might want to, they might want to get together. Yeah, and so. then you're saying that it's important to be cautious about that and to not agree to meet up with strangers online. Exactly. Uh-huh. This, but, uh, if I have a class and we'll provide that. Okay. What else? Provide about what you think about being safe. What course should, should you take? So, but. So what are the risks? So it sounds like one of the risks is that people might want to try and take advantage of you. Exactly. Like they might want to meet up with you in person and you're a vulnerable. And so they might, you might think it's about one thing, but they want something else from you. So, I mean, and I'm just going to say it out loud and, and, you know, cause Mac, you know, tell me if you've got stuff to contribute here too. But I know for myself, when I think about online safety, I think about people being safe because I think there are sexual predators out there. I think there are people who want photos of people. I think there are people who want maybe to meet up in person for sexual reasons and that, that, that wouldn't keep our bodies safe. I think there are people for financial safety. Like some people might want to try and get your money. Um, and then maybe there are people who are also just trying to connect, but we're not really but sure, doesn't know but, how to. but doesn't know how to either. Right. It might not always be about predators, it just might be other lonely people and then it can get just confusing, right? Of like people, people not knowing how to communicate what they want. Mm-hmm. So like Michael, for you, when you were feeling like when you first started, you didn't really know what kind of stuff was happening. I mean, were you being, giving too much information to strangers or what kind of stuff was going on? I think when I was 
when I first started Facebook, um, because someone just told me about it, and then when I got online, I checked it out, and um, I've been seeing friend requests people that I didn't really know at first, and then afterwards, um, it was just all men at first, but some of my friends told me that you need to you need to be careful, and you know. Even my family's been telling me that, and so a bunch of men and men you didn't know, yeah, so strangers, and that those were the people who were willing to talk to you, yes, and okay, and that felt like a red flag. And then I found out that what I, what I was doing, so I took them off, um, and I started becoming friends with people that I actually do know now. Okay, so so you stay connected online now only if you have a real relationship with them in life. Yes, great. That's a good. That's a good rule of thumb. Hey, when I first started, um, I was vulnerable. I didn't know what I was doing at first, but I did actually took them off, and then um, I requested people that I do know and you know talk to them more. Mm-hmm. So and then. My mom was, was very worried, so she joined Facebook to try to help protect me. Mm-hmm. And I now I totally understand that now. That she had to take it away at first, just while you learned. Yeah, yeah. Then, but now I'm getting better. Yeah. Every day, so um, I now I'm just talking to people that I do know. Yeah. Well, and I that makes a lot of sense. I think that I think a lot of us behave that way when we do something until we don't we don't know what we don't know until there's some reason to discover it and so just to take it away while we get more information and figure out how to get the tools is something a lot of people try um you know i think monitoring screen time or social media time or whatever and it can be tough because on the one hand like we've been saying you're an adult but on the other hand you do need help in certain areas and maybe this was one of the areas where it was nice to have some help i understand that if I want to live on my own, I gotta be more careful, which I am now. So I don't need to worry about that now. I see. The so, part so part of what they were worried about it sounds like is that since you live alone, you would be at risk. And if these people found out where you lived or something like that, that that something bad could happen to you. Yes, and I yeah. didn't know that could happen. So, but now that I do, I'm fully aware of, of that. So I took those people off, and I'm just talking to people that I do know. In, That's great. In life, so. Yeah. Well, Mackenzie, have you ever struggled to kind of figure out boundaries around social media? Yeah. Um, back in high school, like, um, they had the kind of the same situation, I guess. Um, it was like more um, telling all my business on social media. And that wasn't safe for me or my family. So that you were telling all your like you were posting a lot about your yeah, personal life. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so my mom had to like I guess there's like a setting on Facebook that she could um have my email so she could go into my Facebook and see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And because I wasn't safe. Um one time I posted I'm running away. And I did run away, but then they found me. <laughs> mm. But um, Facebook, uh, that's how my mom found out that I wasn't being really safe on Facebook. And so she took it away. And then... What did you have to do to get it back? Uh, I, um, did it just get easier? I mean, over time? Did yeah, you just... it got easier over time. And I think I was like more mature. Because, you know, you're like, like when you find something new, you really want it and all of that stuff. Like a little kid, like they want a toy and they get that toy and their parents take it away. Mm-hmm. And then they try their best to give them the respect back and all of that stuff. So um, that was you having to earn it back. Yeah. OK. And now I kind of understand like what Facebook's for and how. It's supposed to be used in a good way and not a bad way. Um, I think the other thing, I mean, that that's great. I mean, that, I mean, there's a lot of strangers, to be honest, that I needed to block, too. Like that just write you out of nowhere? 
Yeah, I don't know. Some some something about <laughs> like Africa. Like they come to you and they want to marry you right right away. And so I block those people and all of that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've seen a lot with other folks that I know from the Wayfaring Band and and some of my friends who who have cognitive and developmental disabilities that I've seen struggle with this. There's like a level of um, input that's always coming in, like messages or on Instagram too, right? Like direct messages and then Facebook Messenger and people making comments and sharing information. And I think some people learn to just ignore all of that and just be like, yeah, those people aren't my friends. But I think other people who are learning those systems see it as every single one is an opportunity to make a friend. Mm -hmm. And so like writing back every person that messages you and, um, and that can be dangerous because Mm -hmm. a lot of those people are not our friends. Um, And I've seen a lot of that on Instagram too of like, Hey, what's your number? And what's your address? What you doing? Yeah. You don't need any of that, but but it's hard, and that's why it's nice to yeah. talk about this because some people might not know. I like your idea of a class, Michael. I think, um, you yeah, know, I think a I, lot of people could benefit from that. I think everybody could learn how to be safe, so and so parents don't have to worry as much like they do it these days. Yeah. So and I think it's a good idea. So I'm gonna get us started with the way parent band if they would help. Well, let's talk about it because I think it's the kind of thing that and there's a couple other things we've talked about like ride sharing and there are a couple other cool independence uh skills that i think would be good for us to be able to help connect people to that that learning so that's super helpful okay so those are some good examples of some of the challenges of of connecting and also being a grown-up can we just Mm -hmm. say it is hard to make friends as a Mm grown-up like it's one thing when you're in school and most of the people are your own age or like in your age range and maybe you have similar interests or you're in similar clubs or whatever, but like getting older, it's, I have made just a few really genuine friendships after college. Cause it's hard. Um, so some of the challenges to finding online friendships you've talked about, Michael, let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges to making connections in person. Cause that was another thing we said can sometimes be hard is like, finding people to be friends with exactly so tell us about why that's hard for you sometimes i think uh for me it's transportation transportation is in you a know, way that could be a problem sometimes say more about that what's what's hard about transportation it's kind of hard to find something <laughs> but now we have uber that lift we have all that accessorite um but I do have friends who are willing to come and pick me up and hang out with them. So you, it's not that you don't know a lot of people, but sometimes the transportation of getting to them or getting to an activity can be either hard or expensive or just not on the table. Exactly. Uh-huh. Mackenzie's nodding. Is that- I was like that too, but now I, I can drive. But like back in the day, like it's super stressful trying to figure out what bus to take, um, how many minutes or hours it will take to get to that friend and so i i relate to you in that way because it's it's hard it is hard to find a transportation was hard or still is hard to find that well and it kind of reminds me of like uh, because i'm in the age where a lot of my friends and my family members um you know are are married with kids and so they kind of joke around that if they want to go out then it's like, it's not just like, okay, there's 50 bucks for us to go have dinner. It's also another 60 to get a babysitter minimum. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it's like, Oh, you want to go out, you want to get drinks. You want to, and suddenly it's like a $200 night to go on a date. And it's like, never mind, let's just stay Mm -hmm. home, you know? And, and I think that's something that people are well aware of, of like the cost of babysitters and all these other things to make it possible for you to feel independent. And in the disability community, transportation is a major issue. Because even, Michael, you said we have Uber and Lyft, but that costs money. I mean, that like, yeah, it's not just going out and like going to Chipotle and spending 12 bucks on lunch with a friend because then it's 12 bucks there, 12 bucks to eat, and another 12 bucks to get home, theoretically, right? So, I mean, it can really... It adds up. It can empty your wallet. It can empty your wallet. It can. So... 
okay so that's another challenge um is that sometimes you have the friends but it's just hard to hard to figure out a time to be able to see them without asking other people to help yeah and most of the time with me sometimes i have friends that actually pick me up so and i i love that part too okay if they come to you and grab you yeah and i don't mind that because um and i think that's a good connection yeah so you guys could talk and you know and you get to know each other more so well let's talk a little bit about when it works because that what you're talking about now is like having a good connection with somebody i'd love to know who are some of your closer friends and when have you made a relationship that feels really special to you well i got a few friends from the global down syndrome foundation okay two of them um alex who's a one of the people I met during the fashion shows uh-huh. um, when I was a model. Ooh, um, you were a model. No was, wonder. That's three years back. Um, but three years back? Still, we have to do something <laughs> with that handsome man. Let's, let's maximize. But, um, I, was a, I was a greeter that one year, and that's when I met Alex for the first time, and he and I connected. Um, so I first met his girlfriend first, and then... Um, and then I met him, and then he and I have been t- talking about hanging out. So we hang out a couple of times. He took me to the athletic game once. Um, he took me to a couple of movies, um, and then out to eat. That's so, an awesome friend. And does does Adam have Down syndrome or no? No, he does not. Okay. Um, his name is Alex. I'm sorry, Alex. It's okay, but um, but now he's married. Okay. And um, she's a, a wonderful person who I, I adore. Um, and they just come out of their way and like to hang out with me. And I met, well, while I was meeting with Alex one time, we also went to his friend's house one time. And so um, I met his friends and we also connected. So we just talked and then... Um, and then afterwards, I had another friend named Streeter. Streeter? Yeah. Nice name. That's a good and one. he's from the Global as well. Um, once in a while, we hang out. Okay. Um, he doesn't live too far from me, so um, I go to his house once in a while. Um, and we go to movies. We just hang out. Um, Similar interests, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing you say you're meeting people in programs that you have in common you like similar things that you're, but it sounds like it's easier because sometimes it sounds like, um, Alex and Streeter maybe have also made, made an effort. Yeah. They to did, stay actually. connected to you. And, and that I feel helps. really touched with that. And I'm glad we've been hanging out and I also met half of Streeter's friends. Okay. That really care about me a lot of friends. Nice. So we also connected and I just love meeting them. I'm going to ask a difficult question. <laughs> Uh-oh. I know. Uh-oh. Well, Get listen, ready. I, I want to talk about, cause this is something I've noticed and I just want to ask and see. Um, I know you can only each speak for yourselves, but I want to talk about building friendships with other people with disabilities. Are with, like, so I'll first ask you, Michael, do you have any friends who also have disabilities? I do. Um, I got a couple. Um, one is Danny. Danny, who you mentioned before. Okay. Yeah, his parents also helped with the my high program. Uh huh. Okay. So I know him since we were baby. So he has Down syndrome. Yeah. Okay. So Danny's a friend of yours. And then um, people from Peter Napoli was one of them. Our friend Peter, who passed away, was one of your good friends. Okay. And then Bethany Potter. Um, Shout out to Bethany. What's up, girl? Hey, Bethany. Season uh, one guest, in case people need to double check. <laughs> Go on. And then also the people at the, the Rayfair band. Yes, of course. All of us. Connor. Um, and some people at Aspire Club that I also do that Peter's also was involved with. Okay. So and so, so there's, a, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of friends. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, the reason I'm asking is because sometimes I'm curious, 
one of the challenges with the disability community is that in special ed, when we are back in school age, um, the special education umbrella is very broad and it puts a whole lot of people into a special ed program who may or may not have anything in common. And one of the things that I've noticed is, I, I mean, I think the best way to build a friendship is based on having similar interests. That's mm -hmm. why people should become yeah, friends. It doesn't have to do with disability. It has to do with caring about the same things. Um, but I was just curious about that. Like Mackenzie, I'm curious for you, like what, what, what would you say? Like, do you feel like you have genuine friendships mm -hmm. with people with disabilities or mostly are your friendships with people without and why, I, <laughs> and why I would tell you, I'm going to tell you, um, right. I think I have half. I feel like I have half, but I have more friends that don't have a disability because they're just easy to relate to. Um, and the other half is like I'm a Special Olympics, you know, so I have friends in that area that love sports and um, like the same as me. But for me, it's kind of hard to relate to them um, in a good way, in a bad way. Sometimes I feel like I'm a higher level of, uh, not level, like I, I don't know how to say it. Um, I don't really need the help that I need, mm -hmm. but they need help, way more help, I guess, in that. Uh, uh, Let, um, I want to acknowledge that that's a hard thing to try to articulate what you're trying to articulate. I'm, I'm letting you kind of twist in the wind on purpose. <laughs> and it's not because I, I want you to feel uncomfortable, but it's because you're right that there, we do not have good language for this. Um, some of the language that people have used in the past that I don't personally like, and that a lot of people don't like is high functioning and low functioning. Yeah. And that language is something that a lot of people will talk about, but it's hurtful. That. Yeah, it's I hurtful, hate that. Right? So that's yeah. that's why I'm struggling of finding a word. But can that's you share like, more about why you hate it though, so that people um, who might use it understand? Why I hate it is they're talking down to them. Um, yeah, like it's talking down to people that have a disability, but they're smart. They're exactly the same, um, but they just need a little bit more help. Okay. Um. So help is an interesting way to talk about it. That what you're yeah. talking about is that sometimes it's hard for you to connect on a deep level with people who need more help than you need. Yeah. Okay. Like, um, but then with the pe people that don't have disabilities, like, um, they, they're like cool, but then some of them are like really not cool, I guess. I don't know. Like I I have varies of friends. Well, because do I I, do people without disabilities ever talk down to you? Yes, they a lot of people do, but um, My, I think oh, more than more than usual, I guess. But um, but I just tell them how it is though, so I I don't really feel bad about it. I guess. What about for you, Michael? Do you feel like any of your friends without disabilities talk down to you ever? No, I just don't listen to them. I just tune them out. Tune them out. So, but I, I know it's like I saw it last week with some friends. Like works like that. Uh huh. So, but I honestly, you saw it with some friends where like one was talking down to the other. Yeah. And how did it make you feel when you noticed that? I didn't like it at all. Because mm. I know sometimes people could be cleaning, you know, but. It's not their fault. Clingy. People can be clingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not their fault. At the same time, it's tough because I think you're right. It's like I think both are important. It's important to have the uh, empathy to understand that somebody is trying to connect and they're using the tools they have. So if somebody is being clingy to me and, and wanting a lot of my attention and always up in my face and like wanting to hang out all the time and it annoys me that... I have a choice, right? Like I have like, basically I can try and have compassion for that person that they're trying to connect and that they're mm -hmm. using the tools that they have. But at the same time, it's also real that that can be annoying. And we also get to set boundaries. What I like in a moment like that, as an example, is I like to be in community because when we're in a group, we don't have to have all the answers all the time. So if I am getting frustrated with someone being too clinging to me and I'm in a group, 
sometimes I can ask for help. You know what I mean? And then, and it's that way it's okay for me to set a boundary, but I also can respect someone's humanity and not be mean or rude to them. It's, it's hard. Being in community is hard for all people. Like it is, this is why we're always trying to kill each other as human beings because <laughs> it can be tricky. But that's where for me, like I have to ask for help sometimes because I, I don't always have the patience. Um, but, but I do want to recognize that we are all valuable. We all have dignity that can't be compromised, mm-hmm. you know, that we matter. Like you said earlier, Mac, Michael, what are your dreams for yourself in terms of relationships? Would you like to fall in love? I would someday. Uh, right now, I'm just staying single right now. Okay. So, um, I don't need to worry about that. Um, I do want to fall in love someday, but I'm just holding it off for now. Okay. So, they, I know my parents are listening. If they are, I want them to know that they don't need, they don't need to worry. Okay. So, I'm staying single. Um, if I do find love, if I do find somebody, I'll just send them an email or a text. Yeah. Um, call them. But right now, I'm staying single. Yeah. So. Well, and so it sounds like, though, you're available for friendships. Yeah. Just friendships yeah. Okay. Great. Um, well, I know you've made some great friendships over the years. I know certainly you've had some special friendships on the Wayfaring Band, and, and hopefully that will continue. Um is there any any other relationships that you want to highlight? Um, I especially love the trip that we did for the San Francisco trip. Okay. When I first met Dan. Yes, um, Dan. He was a, a great guy, and I hope to continue my friendship with him. Great. And Dan was the artist in residence for the San Francisco tour that you did with the Wayfaring Band. So you took the Amtrak all the way out to San Francisco. Yeah. And Dan was the artist on that trip. And Dan was from Los Angeles. And tell us a little bit about Dan's art and why you connected with Dan. Well, I connected with Dan because of movies. Mm. We were still in touch with that because when we were on the dinner train, on the, you know, on the train, um, he and I were talking to sit together and we sat next to this other couple, a point of us, and they're from Ireland. So they had an Irish accent, which I loved. Scot- um, Scotland, wasn't it Scotland? Yeah. Yeah, okay, Scottish. So, yeah, they so, were a Scottish couple. And then um, afterwards we talked about the Disney picture of Marie Brave, how that inspired me. So Wait, which thing did you talk about? The the movie Brave. Brave, the movie, okay. So, okay it was, oh, the Disney Pixar, uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's kind of filmed in Ireland. Oh, okay, so, great. Okay. Other landmarks. Okay. So, and Dan just looked at me like in, in amazement, like how much I know about movies. Yeah, um, you guys really connected on that. And I hear it like, talk about how I know, but everything. And then um, he told me about his brothers, about yeah. how they work in that. They all work in the film industry. Yeah. Right. And then okay. after they said we got connected, and then um, we became good friends ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it feels really good to connect about things that we have in common. Um, back to movies, since we just came full circle. I got to know. Tell, Give us, like, your top three. What are some of your, like, maybe top three films that you could recommend? Um, right now, my top three films was um, the Marvel movies. I okay. love Marvel. Uh-huh. I love every superhero there is. Um that's my number three. Okay. Number two, it has to be action movies, drama. Um, Anything in particular? Well, my first main favorite movie, right now my friend Rachel might be hearing this, is Call Me By Your Name with Army Hammer. Come on, you better choose Call Me By Your Name. Uh, I, I love that movie a lot. Because, I um, love that you went with an indie flick. Oh, my I mind just, is blown. I just love it because it had great actors. Yes. Um, the Nemunks were beautiful. Um, true, true. The soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. And then when I, when I saw the movie on, on DVD, I started crying at the end of the movie. 
Mm. It was amazing how they did it. The artwork and the Facebook stuff was amazing. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that was a great film. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. We've been dreaming about it for so long. (laughs) Um, I can't wait. And let's let's put our heads together about some of these other ideas and, and make a plan to hang out. I like that jealous all our listeners are jealous um all right well thanks again everybody for listening we appreciate you um tune in next week for the next episode peace thank you thank you Everybody In is sound engineered by Karen Hibner with original music by The Dosage. It is produced by The Wayfaring Band, a Denver-based 501c3 nonprofit specializing in life skills and leadership training through travel for adults with and without disabilities. Be sure to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Later, alligator.